the title of the message, <clears throat> God's Hand with Me. This is the fourth in uh, five messages on one verse, the prayer of Jabez, First uh, Chronicles 4.10. Now, what have we learned about Jabez thus far? Well, he was more honorable than the rest of his family. Paul, you can understand that, can't you, being the one more honorable than the rest of your family? My son Paul is here this weekend. And little Avery is in here. She's not feeling good. She's teething. And uh, so she's uh, sitting with her mommy over there. We found out that his character and reputation were such that God could give him the desires of his heart. His desire was to have all the blessings that God could give him and as much territory as the Lord would allow. We also learned that God <clears throat> granted him his request, but that was not the end of his request. Our text, Jabez called upon the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my border, and that your hand <clears throat> might be with me, and that you would keep me from harm so that it might not bring me pain. And God granted what he asked. A few years ago, <clears throat> three economic professors wrote a paper that was titled The Ticket to Easy Street, The Financial Consequences of Winning the Lottery. And their research tried to answer two or three questions. Does a lottery windfall have a permanent impact or does it merely postpone financial pain? They asked, does getting a boatload of money solve people's financial problems or just push those problems down the road? The professors examined <clears throat> a list of winners from the Florida lottery game called Fantasy Five. And they compared the, the names of the Florida bankruptcy records to see how many winners filed for bankruptcy and when. In the first couple of years after winning a jackpot, people who won small amounts were more likely to file bankruptcy than people who won larger amounts. Someone with a large amount of money can, uh, they can withstand uh, a, a bad time longer or keep creditors at bay longer. After three years, however, large lottery winners were more likely to file for bankruptcy than small winners. One financial consultant's observation was this. Winning the lottery did not help people increase their net worth. They needed to have set goals <clears throat> and an understanding of finance to make their lives better. It appears that the lottery winners did not have those fundamental tools. To some degree, Jabez had asked to win God's lottery. To some degree, <clears throat> Jabez had said, God, I want to play mega ball in your lottery, <clears throat> and I want to win. He wanted all of the blessings that he could hold and as much territory as God would give. He also asked for God's hand to be on him so that he could handle his newfound blessings and property. There was the wisdom. If, God's blessed, if God had blessed as he asked, and if his territory really did increase, he would certainly need the hand of God on his life. Jabez asked in faith, but he needed faith even more 
once the blessings came. We tend to ask God for his blessings. And then once we receive his blessings, we thank him for them. And then, in effect, we say, I've got it from here. Thanks for answering my prayer. Thanks for all the blessings. I can take it now. Well, today I want to challenge all of us to turn that around and change our thinking and understand that once God has placed his blessings on our lives, we must even more than ever see our need to walk by faith and to have God's hand upon our lives. So we're going to talk about faith and how receiving God's blessings requires faith. So first of all, let's talk about faith's struggle. Faith is a struggle. Anyone who lives by faith, everyone who lives by faith has a certain amount of struggle associated with it. The struggle of a life of faith is this, is, is that this is the only approved way for a believer to live. If you're going to be a believer in Jesus Christ, faith is your only option as to how to live. There's no pleasing God without faith, and it's a struggle. Hebrews 10, 38, but my righteous one shall live by faith, and if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. That's a pretty serious comment from the Lord. Hebrews eleven six, and without faith it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. God has an all-volunteer army, and their marching orders are very simple. Live by faith. That's what God tells his army. That's what God tells me and you. Live by faith. The orders are simple, but carrying them out is often a very hard thing to do. It's hard for people to live by faith. The reason is because the definition of faith itself seems impossible. Hebrews 11.1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Now why is faith so much of a struggle so much of the time? Why do you think Jabez needed for God's hand to be upon him after asking God to do great things for him? (coughs) Why do we (coughs) need God's hand in order to live by faith? Well, let me give you some reasons that we need God's God's hand on us if we're going to live by faith. Because first of all, faith is illogical. Big thing right there. It is illogical. Much of the faith life flies in the face of what we might think in our better judgment. Well, my better judgment tells me this, but it would not be of faith. Giving a a tenth, 10% of our income back to God will result in us having less, not more. That's what we think. Actually, God tells us to put him to the test and see if he doesn't bless us more. And so there is a test of faith that is illogical. How am I going to have more if I give away a good portion of what God has given me or what I have? <clears throat> the, the logic or the illogic of faith says to save our life, we have to lose it. And it tells us that the last will be first. And it tells us to give, and it shall be given unto you, and, and on and on it goes. The logic of faith is illogical, but it is faith. <clears throat> and that's just the difficulty of faith. 
It's not that easy to do. It's faith. It is not sight. Why is there a struggle in faith? Because faith is illogical. I'll tell you something else about faith. Faith is unfamiliar. All prior experiences are called our frame of reference. One of the classes that I took in college that I actually remember stuff from is logic and critical thinking. And I remember them teaching us about our frame of reference. And our frame of reference is all that we've read, all that we've seen, all that we've done, our life experience, so that you move from the known to the unknown. If something new happens in your life, your frame of reference says, okay, I can remember something similar to this happening, so I understand it a little bit. That's why when you go, and and I do this all the time, and my family makes fun of me for it, you go to a restaurant or you see somebody, and, and I'll say, do you know who this reminds me of? Do you know who that person reminds me of? Do you know who they look like? And they will always make fun of me. You say that all the time, and this, that, and the other. You know, that's just the way that they are. They're not, they're not nice people. I'm not the father of nice children. Uh, <clears throat> but it's, it's because of my frame of reference. My frame of reference goes back to something that I remember and someone I remember. Well, faith takes us out of our frame of reference. Faith takes us out of <clears throat> familiar territory. It stretches our frame of reference. New believers face new circumstances of life calling for action outside of their prior experience. Obedience to God moves them outside of their frame of reference. This stretches their faith. Now, this part of faith never changes. We will always, if we live by faith, always, we will always be stretched outside of our frame of reference. Whether you're a new believer or one who's known Christ for many years, God continues to place you, to place us in unfamiliar territory that challenges our faith. He does that deliberately. Once faith becomes familiar, even comfortable, God says, it's time for you to move out of familiar territory. It's time for you to stretch your faith because faith is supposed to be something of a struggle. Let me ask you this. Do you think that Jan and I are familiar with what life ahead will look like for us? People are forever asking me, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? I have ideas of what I would like to do but I'm going into unfamiliar territory. It is not a place that I've been before. It is a a time of stretching our faith as Christians, as a couple. God is stretching your faith too as as you look to what lies ahead for this church family. God is stretching your faith And that's not a bad thing, it's a a good thing. And it's good because it causes you and it causes me, it causes all of us to rely on our faith again and to walk by faith and not by sight. Faith is a struggle. It's a struggle because it's illogical, it's a struggle because it's unfamiliar, and it's just downright scary. Faith can be scary. 
When God opens a brand new situation in our lives, even if it is an open door of opportunity or blessing, it threatens our sense of security. It seems to disregard our feelings and and it disregards our training and it disregards our comfort zone. We get out there and we realize what Jabez knew that he needed. Lord, keep your hand with me. This is scary. I'm in a scary place. Keep your hand with me. Sometimes Christians fail in living by faith simply because it's too frightening for them. It's just too scary. Now to have a little hesitation in times of faith is somewhat natural, I think, because faith is hard. Faith can be a struggle. I think one of the best examples of scary faith is in the story of three men in the Bible. And these three men in the Bible acknowledged their God and were faithful to God. And because of their faith, they got put into unfamiliar territory. They were afraid. You know what their names are? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Rather than try to tell you the story, let me just read you a few verses that will relay the story. Daniel 3.13. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in furious rage, commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought. So they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Now, if you are ready, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, the sound of the horn, the pipe, the lyre, the trigon, the harp, bagpipe, and every other kind of music, to fall down and worship the image that I've made, well and good. But if you do not worship, you you shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? I'd say that's a pretty scary position, wouldn't you? Now here's verse 16. It's a true story. It's not just a Bible story. It's not just a, uh, it's not a fable. It's a true story. Verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods, or worship the golden image that you have set up. That is so classic. And that is so true of what living by faith is. They put it out there knowing that failure was possible, but they would follow the hand of God regardless. Sometimes we get ourselves all in a twist because we have followed what God wanted us to do, and still there was difficulty, or still there was failure. They knew that there could be failure. They knew that they could be cast into the fiery furnace, and they knew that they could burn up, and they knew that faith was scary. The reason that faith is so scary is because we lose our sense of self-sufficiency when we walk by faith. That was the nature of Jabez's prayer. He asked for such abundance of God's blessings that he began to feel a bit uneasy about what that might mean to him. He said, I may have asked for more than I I can handle on my own. And that's kind of the point of asking 
for more blessings than we can handle is to ask for more blessings than we can handle on our own. You ever heard this term? I think you may have bitten off more than you can chew. Well, the faith life is a life of biting off more than we can chew. God invites that kind of prayer for blessing. Jeremiah 33.3 says, Call to me, and I will answer you and tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. I'm going to take you outside of your comfort zone, outside of your frame of reference. I'm going to take you into scary territory, so go ahead and ask for it. I'm happy to do it for you. At the beginning of this series, I mentioned the the book uh, by Bruce Wilkinson called The Prayer of Jabez. Here's what he says in that book. As God's chosen, blessed sons and daughters, we are expected to attempt something larger that failure, large enough that failure is guaranteed unless God steps in. That is a powerful thought. God may force us into faith to give himself a chance to show his strength through our weakness. Now, we don't want that. We don't ask for that. But that's exactly how faith works. Faith comes in and and puts us in situations where we may not have it all together. 2 Corinthians 12, 9, Paul said, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. If God If we want God's hand to be evident in our lives, we have to be willing to get out of our comfort zone. And to get out of your comfort zone is to get into trusting territory. You get out of your comfort zone, you say, okay, now I must trust God. I must trust what God wants for me and what God has for me. You know, we all get into those positions. We just don't live there. Don't you think that when Sherry Leathers went in for brain surgery, that she lived by faith? There was nothing she could do. She was totally out of her comfort zone. She was totally in scary territory. And she lived by faith during that time, and she's living by faith today. And we admire someone for that. Yet the reality is we should be praying on a regular basis, God bless me in such a way that you move me out of my comfort zone and I live in scary territory. Because that's faith's territory. Trusting territory is that place in all of life where we find ourselves living by faith because sight will never show us our full potential. So after faith's struggle comes the next thing, faith's steps. You're going to struggle in faith, but there are some steps to be taken. The Apostle Paul explains the Christian life in the simplest of terms. He says in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, For we walk by faith, not by sight. There it is right there. Living by faith. We walk by faith, not by sight. When I was a boy, uh, we only had black and white television. Uh, That's all that we had. And by today's standards, it was like looking at a drawing, uh, you know, instead of the high definition color and 
and all that. I remember the, the first color television that I saw. I was just flabbergasted. It was a Curtis Mathis color television. I was just blown away. <clears throat> but we had that black and white television. And on Sunday afternoon, we would watch what were considered old movies back then. So they were really old movies. I can remember on Sunday afternoon watching in black and white, of course, The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Any of you remember watching that old program in black and white? Yeah. <clears throat> I'd watch The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Um, I remember watching <clears throat> The Wizard of Oz in black and white. And uh, Follow the Yellow Brick Road was follow that different shade of gray road right there. <clears throat> Do you, how many of you remember Charlie Chan? Do any of you remember Charlie Chan? Yeah, I'd watch, <clears throat> I'd watch Charlie Chan, King Kong, Godzilla, Frankenstein, a lot of Boris Karloff movies. One thing most of these movies had in common was a fog scene. You remember that? <clears throat> they all had a, had a fog scene uh, where <clears throat> people were, excuse me, <clears throat> where people were walking through a, a cemetery or uh, <clears throat> on a boardwalk down by the water or some mysterious street, and the characters walked along <clears throat> in the mist, really not knowing where they were stepping. They just walked along in that fog scene. The first time I <clears throat> realized that walking in faith was a walk in the clouds or almost in a fog, I was a young pastor following God's leadership from my first church in Sanford, Florida. In Sanford, Florida, I pastored the Elder Springs Baptist Church. And uh, I was the pastor of Elder Springs Baptist Church. There are a few things I remember about that church. One thing was that they had sulfur water. And uh, <clears throat> you had to hold your nose to uh, drink the water there. It was terrible, just absolutely awful. But <clears throat> God was calling me to leave that little church and to go to Nashville and to start a church. I'd never started a church, never thought about starting a church, had a nice congregation there. But God <clears throat> called me to go and do that. And as she has always done, Jan supported me in the call. And as I was driving the U-Haul truck to Nashville, Jan followed behind in our car, and I questioned the logic of what I was doing. I left a place where I already had a congregation, already had a paycheck, <clears throat> and I was going to a place where there wasn't anything or anyone waiting for me. Now, we had family there, but they all had their own churches, and a lot of them didn't go to church at all. So we just went to a place of, of nothing. And it was somewhere in Georgia. I, I kind of remember it being around Valdosta, Georgia, as we were traveling north on I-75. <clears throat> I, I kind of remember God brought to me the idea of walking in the clouds and how that I would take a step in faith and just trust that there was something under my foot, just trust that I wasn't stepping off of a cliff. So I said, okay, God, that's what this is like. And I began then <clears throat> to take steps of faith. That was a big step of faith, but I took that step of faith. And God assured me that <clears throat> he would put beneath my feet solid ground if I would follow his will and live by his word. When we take steps of faith, we are walking in his sufficiency, not our own. And you may step out there. And you may say, I sure hope there's something under there. 
and you may put your foot down, and, and when you finally rest your foot on what's under that nothingness, you find that place of faith. You find the place of, of firmness. Asking God for more blessings and increased territory puts us on a path of taking steps of faith. And that brings us to the last part of the message, and that's faith's sojourn as revealed in the prayer of Jabez. This life is not our our final place. This is a temporary road, a vapor, James tells us. That's all that it is. It seems long to us, but it's not. It's It's a vapor. And when we pray the Jabez prayer, we are asking God to take down our fences and allow us to roam as far as he will allow. That'll put us in new places well beyond what we thought he might do. It's a new kind of life. It's a life that acknowledges his presence. What did Jabez ask God to do? That your hand might be with me. He wanted the blessings of God and the increased territory, but he also wanted to know that God would be with him every single day. He wanted to experience the hand of God. He wanted to, his life to have experiences, but he wanted every experience to be part of God's hand in his life. He needed God's presence. He needed the hand of God. We all need the hand of God on our lives. The hand of God represents God's presence throughout the Bible. In Joshua 4, 24, so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. Isaiah 59, 1, behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, or his ear dull, that it cannot hear. Acts eleven twenty one, and the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed <coughs> turned to the Lord. The hand of the Lord is a daily thing. It's a daily filling presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That's the hand of the Lord. And so what we want in this sojourn of prayer is to have God's presence on our lives. And we want God to reveal our territory. When we walk by faith and we desire the blessings of God in expanded territories, the boundaries really do come down. It gets bigger than we ever dreamed. When God gives us his power and he sends us out with his blessing, the territory is, is <laughs> to, to coin a popular word these days, huge. Absolutely amazing. Let me show you what God says about that territory when we walk by faith. Matthew twenty-eight eighteen, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you all way. Where do we go? Well, we go and make disciples of all nations. Mark 16, 15. And he said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. What's the result of all of this faith of asking God's hand on our lives? Well, it gives us a life that we can live that's full of big surprises. We're just surprised where God puts us. If if you'll have scary faith, if you'll allow God to take you out of your comfort zone, you'll be surprised where you find yourself.
ordinary people find themselves in extraordinary circumstances because of God's answer to their lives. Acts 4.13 is a reflection of that. And when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. See, that's all that's needed. I believe in education, and I believe in training, and I believe in all that, but I want to tell you something. It's far better for somebody to look at your life and say, the only thing I can say is that's a miracle. I've got some friends like that. I've got some friends in the ministry who have been unbelievably successful. And one of the silliest things that I know is for other pastors to try and figure out their formula. (laughs) Success in the ministry doesn't come by formula. It comes by faith. Success in the ministry doesn't come by diploma. It comes divine. It's God. One of my friends was elected president of the Southern Baptist convention a few years ago <clears throat> and it, it was it was kind of interesting because when he got elected to as president of the convention uh, people were patting him on the back and <clears throat> doing all kinds of glad handing and and so forth and, and I was happy for him I love this guy he is an awesome individual he is really really awesome and I was talking to his wife and and I said, and I, I use his name, I won't tell you his name, but I, I use his name, and I said, you, you know, <clears throat> I'll tell you what I love about your husband. And I, I know both of them, so it was okay for me to talk to her like this. I said, there is no logic to the extraordinary blessing on his life. God just took a finger and touched him. That's all there is to it. That's all there is to it. God just touched him. And that's what's so amazing. God took him and used him in such a powerful way. Now, he's got people around him that have him putting on clinics of how to do this and how to do that. And that's fine. I'm not against it. But I will tell you that none of those clinics, none of those formulas is what brings about great blessing. It's the hand of God. It's the touch of God. That's what it is. It's as Jabez prayed, enlarge my territories, prosper me, make your hand be with me. It's the touch of God. You say, Pastor Ray, is it always the touch of God? Oh, no. Sometimes big crowds are pulled together by crooked people (laughs) or by any number of other things. But I will tell you, when you see God blessing in a mighty way and, and you see someone kind of at the front of the line of that blessing, don't fall on your knees and worship that person because it has nothing to do with that person. It has to do with the touch of God. They were uneducated and common men, and they were astonished. They saw that they had been with Jesus. All of this comes about as we reach out for new territory with God's hand always with us. We study the prayer of Jabez, but I'm going to tell you, I doubt seriously that this is something that he prayed one time. Okay, that's it. 
I believe that this was his prayer. I believe this was his daily prayer. I believe this was his regular prayer. I believe this was the prayer. I believe that he looked at his life and he said, God, there's something that I want in my life and only you can give me this thing. And so I'm going to keep on praying. And there was no part of the prayer that he could stop at any time. You say, well, what about when he got all the territory that he wanted? What about when he got all the money that he wanted? What if he got more territory than he planned on and more money than he planned on? That's the point of this message. What he really wanted was God's touch on his life every single day. That's what he really was after. That's the thing that he really needed. That's what you really need. That's what I really need. I'm not smart enough to be a success. I'm not strong enough to to be what God wants me to be. I don't have enough experience or talent to be what God wants me to be. I've got to have, and you've got to have, God's touch on your life. Do you want that? Do you want the blessings of God? Do you want increased territory? Do you want God's blessings daily before you? Do you want God's blessings on this church? Do you want God's blessings on your family? Well, the answer to having these things and more is to be that honorable soul who God can bless and ask for those blessings and that territory that goes along, but remembering all the while that there will never be a time when you need can allow God to take his hand off of your life, when you can allow God to take his touch off of your life. By faith, you want all of those blessings, but by faith, you want to walk in the success of those blessings and have God lead you every step of the way. And to that end, we pray as a church. You'll be calling a pastor before you know it. Well, we want to get this, and we want to get that. And we want to make sure it's this kind of a person. We want to make sure it's that kind of a person. And if we thought about this person, and what do they have here, and what do they have there, let me tell you what they really need. They need the touch of God on their lives. And this church needs the touch of God on this church. Jabez prayed. He called upon the God of Israel saying, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my border and that your hand might be with me and that you would keep me from harm so that it might not bring me pain. And God granted what he asked. 